Good morning, guys. My name is Brian Legg. I am one of the pastors on our lead pastor team here, and so glad that you could be here for worship. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. And here's your question. Why did you come today? Why did you come to church today? Why did you get up and leave your Google or Yahoo or newspaper or whatever era you're in watching the news and your coffee and your quietness of your home and come here to hang out with people and to have loud music and to to just enjoy all the interaction? Why'd you do it? It's probably not because you just wanted to come hear one of us talk. Probably not because you just wanted to come get coffee out of the cafe, although I have to say it's pretty good coffee. I would even suggest that it's probably not because you just wanted to come hang out with your friends, although that's a great thing to do too. So why do we do this church thing? Why is it that we get up and Sunday after Sunday we come and we take part in this? See, I think that within all of us there is this deep longing inside us, and you may not even recognize it being there, but there's... There's just something that is wired within us that makes us want to be part of something that's bigger than us. It makes us want to be part of something that's changing the world, that's having an impact, that's doing something that has meaning to it and purpose to it. It's something that we can give our life to. And we say that that's what church is about. We say that's why we do church. But is it? Is that really why you come on Sunday mornings? Is this something that you're coming and giving your life away to? Or is it just another thing you do in the course of your week? Just another thing on the calendar? Just another appointment that you've got to make? Why do we do the things that we do? And what in the world does that have to do with small groups? Right? We've been talking about small groups. Well, well, well. What does that have to do with anything? I mean, you've heard things the last few weeks like sign up for a small group. You're going to miss out if you're not involved. You know, we want to be a church of small groups, not just a church with small groups. You can't do life alone. You have to be in a small group. But why? What does that have to do with anything? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Right? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to tear it apart a little bit, and I hope that before the day's over, I can give you a little bit of different perspective. Maybe even help you remember some things that you probably already know, but we've just forgotten somewhere along the way. And I want to look at small groups a little differently and look at why we do church a little differently today. We are in the middle of a series called Anatomy of a Small Group, and a couple weeks ago, actually about three weeks ago, I think it was, Ed Diaz kicked us off, and he talked about the importance of study in small group. And this is a big deal because study in the context of small group changes everything. Because you can sit and read your Bible all day long and you can walk away with what you think it said to you. But when you sit down with a group of people and you start to read the Scripture together and you start to hear other people speak into that and to give other perspective and to say it from their, the, the way they see the world, all of a sudden, Scripture changes for you. It comes alive in a different way. You can apply it to your life differently. You see other angles that tie into it. And it helps us in our study. And then the next week, we actually took a week away from our study so that we could do our TBA family meeting. But in reality, it wasn't just a a family meeting. It was a time to celebrate the things that God's doing. It was a time to talk about what God has done in the life of our church family over the last year. It was a time to talk about vision and direction and next steps and some of the opportunities that we have and are facing as a church family, how we plug into those things, how we get involved. It was an exciting day. And then last week, Dave came back and continued our series on small groups talking about caring for one another. 
In fact, he walked through a bunch of one another's and talked about how we're supposed to be doing life together in community, what true community looks like. It's things like encouragement, accountability. That's a word we all love, right? Support, growth, challenging each other to grow. Those are cool things. They're exciting pieces of small group and exciting pieces of what we're supposed to be as a church. But as important as all that is, I look at it and I go, is that all there is? Is that all it's about? It's just about me and about you and about us getting together and we just have a big party or we maybe have a pity party with each other and we all get together and support each other and cry on each other's shoulders and you know, we do life together. Is that all there is? Is that really why Jesus came? I mean, what about God's redemptive plan for the world? What about carrying the gospel to the farthest ends of the earth? Where does all that play in? How does it fit? What about the great commandment and the great commission? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all of my commands. What about those things? I mean, is that all the church has boiled down to? All the small group has boiled down to? It's just us getting together, reading scripture, worshiping, praying, sharing with each other, being friends, helping cope with life? I don't think so. But see, here's the perspective shift. Because the last few weeks we've been talking about what it looks like to be gathered as a church. And this is a term we try to use often. This is the gathering. This is where we come together and spend time together as a faith community. This is where we encourage one another, support one another, build each other up. That's the purpose of small groups. It's a huge purpose of small groups. But it's not just that. Because see, that's only half of what the church is called to be. That's only a part of what the church is called to be. For the church to be successful, we also have to be scattered. We have to be going. We have to be making a difference in the world. And this is where that innate longing comes out because this is where church becomes bigger than us. When we put our faith into action and we go into the world and we serve and we build relationships with others and we share God's love in practical ways, that's where we become the church. And it's no longer just something we do on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever your small group meets. It is something that we are. It becomes us. You and I are the church. Gathered and scattered. Think about those words a minute. Seems like they conflict, doesn't it? Gathered and scattered, that's like completely opposite. How do you put those together? I mean, there's this tension within that idea that is pulling you in two different directions. And you're right. There is. In fact, it's kind of like tug-of-war. You ever played a good game of tug-of-war? You know, you get a big rope and you put a flag in the middle of the rope and you set up some cones and you lay it out and both teams grab hold of the rope and they start to pull. And what happens in tug-of-war? If you get two good, evenly matched teams, you see that flag on the rope get pulled this direction a little bit as one team gains an advantage, and then the other team locks in and they're like, we're not going down, and they pull back the other way and the flag comes back, and it just keeps coming back and forth, doesn't it? And eventually one team's going to win in tug-of-war. But in this picture of gathered and scattered, it's that kind of picture of tension to where it should be pulling us in both directions at all times. And yes, one team gets the advantage. Gathered gets the advantage a little bit over here. And it pulls us in this direction, but at the same time, scattered is pulling us back the other direction so that we don't get out of balance and we keep the flag in the middle and moving down that path that God's called us to. Because it's important that we come together as small groups, that we come together as a church family, that we just come together as followers of Christ to encourage one another, to support each other, to learn together, to study, to grow. 
All that's critical. But what's the point if we're not putting it to action? If we're not going and doing and being the church? If we're not taking it into the world around us? There has to be that tension. See, we get confused all the time. We tend to come in on Sunday mornings thinking that this is church. You came to church this morning, right? No. This is just the church building. This is just the organizational structure of our church family. Sunday morning, this is not church. The worship and the prayer and and all those things that we do, the kids' ministry, the different events that happen, those are all good. But that's not church. You and I are the church. You and I are the ones who are called to carry the message of God's redemption into the world. This is just a place that we gather to encourage each other, to support each other, to recharge and be ready to go into the world, to live sent. Live sent. Have you heard that word before? It's out on the wall in our lobby, over top of the TV and some of those pamphlets that talk about ministry opportunities you can plug into. Live sent. What does that mean? See, I think even Jesus with his disciples was constantly teaching them. He was constantly battling with this this tension of gathered and scattered. He didn't just get 12 guys together to to walk through life and have dinner together in the evenings or to, to walk down the trail with and have somebody to talk to. He was investing in them. He was helping to build them and grow them so that they could turn and minister to others, so that they could carry out his plan of redemption in the world. Look at what the Great Commission says. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Listen to the words here. Go and make disciples. He's sending them out, telling them to go, to live sent, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples. That's part of that gathered piece. Teach them, help them to grow. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was constantly teaching his disciples this tension of gathered and scattered. Of coming together, of learning, of growing. But also of going and being the church. Of living sent in practical ways. When you look at the story of Christ and the time that he walked on earth and the interaction that he had with his disciples, look at how many times... He was interrupted. Have you ever thought about that when you read the Gospels? Look at how many times Jesus or his disciples were interrupted in life. They were on their way to such and such city or they were on their way to this event and they come across this person on the side of the road who needs help. Or they come across this person who's sick, who's calling out his name. Or they come across this thing that messes up their plans. How many times do you have interruptions in your life? Think about it. You got a great plan, you're going to town with it, and all of a sudden something happens. The phone rings and somebody calls and they need something. We get interruptions all the time, don't we? See, the better translation of this would be as you are going, not go and make, but as you are going, make disciples. As you're going about life, as you're doing life normally, There's going to be interruptions. And as you're going, look at those as opportunities. What if we looked at our interruptions as opportunities? What if we looked at those things that happened in life where they didn't go the way we thought they would? And we stopped to think, well, God, what are you trying to do in this moment? What opportunity are you giving me? Or what are you asking me to do for this person? How can I serve? How can I love here? How can I be your hands and feet in this moment? 
If you're anything like me, it's a lot easier to have those moments where you go, why didn't this go the way I wanted it to? Why didn't this go according to my plan? Why did this have to happen? This is taking time out of my busy schedule already. But when you look at the life of Christ, those were the moments where he did ministry. It was in those interruptions. Jesus and his disciples, they were living sent. They had a purpose for their life. They were living for something bigger than them. Living sent. What's that mean? And how in the world does that tie to a small group anyway? I think it's a big deal. Because see, when you step back and you look at the story of God unfold, from the very beginning, from Genesis, you see the story of God's people being sent time after time after time after time. All the way back to Genesis 12 with the story of Abram, who later would become Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. He was sent to be God's plan of redemption to the world. Listen to how it unfolds. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abram was being sent with a message of redemption to the world. He was light in the midst of darkness around him. He was sent to be a blessing to those who had no hope. And I love that story because you go back and read what happened and God comes to Abram and just says, Go. Go and I'll show you where to go. Doesn't tell him where. Doesn't give him any details. Doesn't give him a five-year business plan. Doesn't tell him how he's going to take care of his herds. He just says, go. And Abram says, okay, I'll do it. And you see story after story after story unfold throughout the Old and New Testament of God's people being sent. You have Moses who goes to rescue the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And just a little bit later, as Joshua takes over, you have him sending spies into Jericho, and they go into the house of Rahab, the prostitute, and they end up redeeming her house as a part of a city that's going to be destroyed. You've got Jonah who goes to Nineveh, reaching out to the people who are unreachable. Story after story after story of God's people being sent. And then you come into the New Testament, and Jesus changes the game completely. As he dies on the cross and is resurrected, The veil is torn. The separation between God and man is ripped away. Now we are a holy priesthood. We are the ones who are being sent. We don't need to go through a priest anymore to talk to God, and God is sending each one of us. When we choose to follow Christ, we are to be living sent. We are to be living that out. As a church, we do this in a variety of practical ways. We go to Honduras. Here's Pastor Medard and his family from Honduras, the sister church that we have there. And see, here's the thing. Even in moments like this, even going overseas, the ministry that happens there, it's not just sending money. It's not just saying we're going to be Jesus' hands and feet. It's relationship. Because for Pastor Medard, he doesn't know any of you, but he knows TBA Church. And you know how he knows TBA Church? because of 12 people who 
who got on a plane and flew to Honduras and did life with him and interacted with him and talked to him. They are TBA Church to him, and it's a relationship that has been built. It's Jesus' hands and feet in action in his community, and it's an ongoing relationship. And I, I hope that most of you will have the opportunity to go and to meet his family and to build that relationship, to be hands-on with him. But that's an opportunity through our church. Another one we have is Highland City. There have been amazing things happening in Highland City. It's a place that God has called us to as a church family. And we're reaching into that community, doing things like food pantry. There's an AA class that's happening out of that house during the week now. There's a lot of different things that are unfolding. There's an after-school program coming soon. I don't know all the details yet, but things are unfolding and happening. But see, here's the catch. It's still all in relationship. Because we can get food all day long in Highland City, and that doesn't make an impact for God's kingdom. What makes an impact for his kingdom is when they come and they meet Jen Germany or they meet one of the people on her team that are working in that food pantry who are handing them that bag and talking to them and relating with them and loving on them and caring for them and hearing about what's going on in your life and where are you at. How can I walk with you? How can I help? It's relational. These are designed to be ministry opportunities that model what it looks like to live sent. They're designed to be a safe place where you can go and experience what it means to live sent in your individual life. But see, sometimes it gets confusing because people hear us talk all the time about Honduras or Highland City, and they go, you know, that's not really my passion. You know, Highland City, that's not what's on my heart. Honduras, I don't know that I really want to go to Honduras. I must be in the wrong church. No. You're not in the wrong church. You're called to live sent the same as every other person. These are just settings that we have provided so that you can learn what that looks like, so that it can be modeled in a way that you can experience it. If God hasn't laid those things on your heart, do what he's laid on your heart. What's he calling you to? What has he put a burden on you for? What is it that you see happening that you go, I've got to do something about that? Have you ever even slowed down enough to hear what he's saying or to see the opportunities that he's given you? What does that look like? Maybe he's laid on your heart to reach out to those who are homeless. There's great ministries around town that you can plug into. Have you ever gone to Lighthouse Ministries and served as they feed the homeless every evening? Have you gone and worked in their thrift store or volunteered? Have you taken your family to do that? Have you worked with Parker Street Ministries uptown? There's all kinds of opportunities to do that. Maybe it's an individual or a couple or a family that God's laid on your heart. Are you taking time to minister to them? Are you building a relationship with them? Do you invite them into your home to have dinner? Have you gone out with them? Have you gone to a game with them? Have you built any relationship? Have you made them a priority? Have you carved time out of your busy schedule so that you could do life together? Have you taken five minutes a day that you could pray for them? See, it doesn't have to be the corporate opportunities. You are called to live sent. And you should be. If you're following Christ, you should be living sent. Just a few weeks ago, Nate and Jenny Garcia, we had them here for our Vision 15 time. And we talked about how they were going to North Carolina to start a new ministry, military ministry there in North Carolina. And a lot of people look at that and they go, that's exciting. The church started this ministry and now they're sending people off to do it. No. That's not how it happened at all. 
In fact, TBA Church, the organization, TBA's pastors, TBA's leadership had zero to do with military ministry. You know what happened with military ministry? Nate and Jenny felt burdened that they wanted to reach out to military families who were hurting. And they said yes to God, and they responded because he laid it on their heart. And they came to us and said, well, how do we do this? What does it look like? How do we promote it? How do we get involved? And we had conversations, but we did nothing to make that happen. It was simply because they said yes, and they took a step at a time, one step after the other, and God built that and brought it to be. And that process started two or three years ago, and it was little baby steps. It was a little small group that branched out into doing some activities around town, that came to a place where Nate finally quit his job and went full-time here trying to work in that area to where this opportunity opened for them to move to a base in North Carolina and be involved full-time in that ministry. And that doesn't mean that you're going to go full-time in ministry either. Because God lays something on your heart doesn't mean He's going to make you change jobs or move to another state or do any of those things. He might. But they didn't get there overnight. That's not why they started. They started because God laid a burden on their heart. And they were obedient. They said yes. Just like Abraham. They didn't know where it was going to go. They didn't know where it was going to land. But they said yes. And God blessed it and did amazing things. So what's God asking you to do? So what does any of this have to do with small group? We're in a small group series, right? I mean, we're talking about small groups. What does any of this have to do with small group? So here's the thing. We've talked for two weeks about the inward focus of small group. We've talked about what it means to care for each other, to walk with each other, to study together, to grow together, and that's all important. But just like our church family, just like us individually, our small groups have to carry that tension of scattered and gathered the same way. It can't just be all one side or the other because neither one is healthy on its own. There has to be both. And our small groups have to feel that too. If all we're doing is getting together in a home during the week, and talking and hanging out together and eating food together and doing those things, that's fun, but what's the point? Seriously. Because it's just another thing we're doing. I mean, sure, we may help each other through some tough times, that's good, but what's the point? Have we given ourselves away? Have we invested in something that's bigger than us? Living sent is a part of a small group's health, the same as it's a part of your health and my health and our church family's health. Think about it this way. Some of you, when I talk about reaching out to the homeless and I talk about Lighthouse or Parker Street, you go, oh, that's not me. I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't really want to do that. But I bet if your small group was doing it, eight or ten people that you know and you're comfortable with and you feel safe with, I bet it would change completely how that feels, doesn't it? Same thing, what if your small group adopted a family in Highland City? Or adopted a family in your neighborhood where you meet for small group? Somebody that you know needs some friends. And it could be as extreme as going in and painting their house or cleaning up their yard or doing those kinds of things. Or it could be as simple as watching their kids so they can go out on a date night. Or inviting them to come over to the house and having an event that's not so churchy where they feel comfortable coming into your house just to hang out and to do dinner or to watch a football game or whatever it may be. Building relationship. Because, see, if you're an introvert, maybe you don't want to have those people over to your house and you don't see yourself as a great host. 
That's okay. But bring eight people around you in your small group, all of a sudden it's not so awkward, is it? Because there's plenty of people to talk. There's plenty of people to carry the party that night, right? It changes everything about how it feels. If you're looking for something that will challenge your group or something you can rally around, our young adult small group's already laid out a challenge for you, and I want to pass it on this morning. This is a group of about 10 to 15 young adults. Most of them are in college, so that tells you how much income they have. Zero. 10 to 15 young adults in this group feel the burden and are carrying the burden that they want to make an impact with Operation Christmas Child and packing shoeboxes. This group is committed to give 100 shoeboxes in November when they send out. A group of college students with no money are going to spend 10 to $15 per box to pack it and another 7 bucks a box on top of that to ship it. You do the math. 100 shoeboxes. And their challenge to you guys is this. Within your small groups, each family put together one box per month until they ship out in November. Their goal is to see our church family have the highest number of shoeboxes in Polk County that go out so that we can bless kids around the world with Christmas gifts and with the gospel of Christ. That's a cool thing. And I would challenge you to rally around it and support them with it. But if you're sitting in your small group and you go, you know, Operation Christmas Child really isn't our thing either. Okay, so what is? What is your thing? What is it that God's laid on your heart? Rally around that. Do it. Do something about it. You and I are the church. Not the organization, not the small group, not any of those things. It's you and me. We have to carry the burden of that. And why do we talk about small groups? Why do we make them such a big deal? Because we were wired to do life in community, not in isolation. We were wired to do life together. We need each other. We need the push. We need the accountability. We need somebody to hold our hand when we're down. We need somebody to kick us in the hind end when we're not doing what we're supposed to. We need people around us to do life with us. That's why small group. I started this morning by asking you the question, why did you come today? Why do you go to church? Why is it that you do this Jesus thing? Is it just for good coffee and friends? Is it just a place to hang out? Are you that bored that you just need to come somewhere on Sunday mornings? Or is there something bigger? See, I'd probably have a hard time backing this up scripturally, and you could argue with me about it, but I believe in the bottom of my heart that God wired every single one of us with that same deep longing and desire to be a part of something bigger than us. And I think in reality it's because it's a part of his image that's reflected in us. It's a part of him that says, I've come to redeem the world. And that same piece of his image reflects in our hearts. And here's how you see it play out differently. For those who are not following God, for those who haven't made that decision yet to give up their life and to follow after Christ, you see him invest in humanitarian causes. You see him still invest in something because it's a part of all of us, of how we're wired. We want to do something for others. We want to be a part of something bigger than us. We want to have an impact and change the world. But when God gets a hold of your heart, it changes how you look at that completely because you see different opportunities and now you see your calling played out in your life. 
You see the opportunity to be light in a dark world. You see how broken the world is around you. And you can't help but do something about it. That's when we make the jump from being people who go to church to being people who are the church. That's when we make the jump. So my question for you is this. If you're not living sent, if you're not living your life in such a way that you're sharing God's love and grace with the world around you, why not? Why not? What's keeping you from it? What is it that you need to die to in your own life to get past? What's keeping you from doing that? Because if you say you're following Christ, that'll change your heart. And it'll change the way you do life. When we offer ourselves to God and we surrender our heart to Him and we say, come in and change us, He does. And when your heart is changed, you can't help but live sense. You can't help but give your life away. You can't help but give your money away. You can't help but be involved in what He is doing in the world around you. Whether you individually, you your small group, or you our TBA church family, we've got to be living sent and doing life in such a way that people see the message of Christ. TBA Church, let's be the gathered community of God, His people that are sent into the world to redeem the world. He's been sending His people throughout the entire story. We're just another chapter being added. Let's be those people who are redeeming the world around us. Don't just stop and think about it this morning. It's time to do something about it. Band, you guys can come on up. As the band comes and plays, if you're in a place where you're not living sent, where you don't even know what that looks like, or you're not sure if you're doing it the way you're supposed to be, do something. Take time, come up here and pray at the front if you need to. Grab a friend beside you and pray there in your seat. Go grab your small group leader and have them pray with you. Just sit down in your seat and take some time, just you and God, and ask Him to change your heart and change the way you think. Because I promise you this, if you truly surrender your life and you allow Him to get a hold of your heart, this is going to be second nature. Because it's not just something you do, it's going to be something that you are. You will be the church like we're called to be. If God calls us to raid hell with a water pistol, I want to be on the front lines going. And I want you to be with me. Think about it. Some of you got to smile. The rest of you are still trying to catch up. Hell, water pistol, come on. Whatever he calls us to do, let's be that church. I don't want to just sit around and talk about it. I want to just sit around and hang out with you. I love you all. But there's more to this than that. Let's go and live sent and be the church as individuals, as a church family, and in our small groups. Stand and let's pray. God, thank you that you love us too much just to leave us where we are. And you're constantly pushing us and challenging us and growing us and, and encouraging and supporting and even carrying us in times. And God, I love the fact that I watch you do that through your people. And I watch you do that in small group. And I watch you do that within our church family. And I watch you do that in so many different settings. Thank you for that. 
God, let this morning be a moment where the rubber meets the road for us. Let it be a moment where we truly look at our hearts and and are able to see how you're changing us and how you want to change us. God, let this be the day that we stop talking about our faith and stop talking about religion and stop talking about following you and start doing it. Let it be the day where we put our faith to action. God, I pray that you would, right now, open our hearts to what you want to say to us. Help us to listen to your voice and help us to respond with obedience the way Abraham did. Not worried about the details, not worried about the things that might come up, but just simple obedience, saying yes. May we walk as your sent people in the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen.